Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, a couple of things to announce uh, to remind you of before we jump into our message. Just remind you that next Sunday is the deadline for bringing your Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes back. So um, this Sunday is the last Sunday you can get them. Next Sunday is the last Sunday to bring them back. We'll be actually taking those over to the location where they're collecting those for the Roanoke Valley. So um, make sure that uh, you get those back by next week. If you're interested in helping Nakia deliver those to uh, where we're... (laughs) where we're taking them to. Nakia, wave your hand back there. Uh, Just let Nakia know that. Um, Also, on October 31st, we have our Halloween Neighborhood Outreach. Um, You know, and so uh, there's lots of trick-or-treaters that are over in the neighborhood over there uh, collecting candy and doing the things they do. Um, And we just want to be a part of the neighborhood and let folks know we love them. And so on that night, from 5.30 till 7-ish, we're there with a couple of tents set up with popcorn and uh, hot, warm cider and candy and glow sticks that we pass out to the kids. And so, and just to let people, and we pass out a little information about the church as well. And we're believing for opportunities to pray with people and if they have needs to uh, be there for them. And so uh, what you're seeing on the screen there is some pictures from last year. So, um, you know, if you want to be a part of that effort and help let the community know that we love them, also see Nakia. She heads up our outreach department. So that's taking place on October 31st. And then this is the first time I've announced this, but um, on Saturday, November 4th, the men of the church have asked the entire church to join them uh, for a, uh, a church work day. And on that work day, you know, it's right before winter. Um, we want to just clean up our flower beds and get everything tidied up. You know, if you notice when you're walking now, the hostas are starting to turn a little brown. So we got to get all that taken care of. Uh, we also hope to maybe pressure wash the front of the church if possible. So if you have a pressure washer and a ladder, you can get that done. That's great. But just uh, uh, Bill's going to sort of organize the men to do that. Um, if you're not, a, by the way, if you're not a part of our men's group, I would encourage you, um, uh, Saturday morning is typically my morning to um, uh, prepare my message and get my heart ready for today, but uh, I've, I've always had it in my heart that we would have a consistent men's group. Man, I'm so grateful for Bill. Give Bill a hand, let him know how much we appreciate him. You know, I, I will tell you, um, I, I trust him with all my heart, and, uh, and he's there, and he's delivering his heart and sharing the word with the men of the church, and they're sharpening each other, so, you know, if you can't make it every Sunday, make it on some, on the board out there, we put it out every month, you know, um, if you notice the calendar, but the men of the church on November 4th are going to be meeting to do that uh, work that day, so if you're interested in helping out with that effort, please plan on showing up, because we need to tidy up a little bit for the winter. Okay, uh, I want to jump into today's message. We've been teaching on love. Everybody say love. And today I'm going to talk to you about love gives. Everybody say love gives. Look at your neighbor and say he's already taken the offering. So you can rest easy. You don't have to feel like your arm's being twisted. But I, but I am going to talk about the fact that love gives, and not just financially, love gives in a lot of capacities. So John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says this. It says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Let's pray before we get started. Father... Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is the truth. And I thank you that as we approach your word, that you are here to minister it to us. 
I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest upon me and use me and make my tongue as the pen of a writer that I would write upon each person's heart here truth from your word. I pray that hearts will be receptive or receive what it is you want us to hear today and that we would leave here saying, I'm better. I'm truly better because I came to church today. I'm closer to Jesus and more equipped to do his work and to love others. And so I just thank you for accomplishing that today through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, as I said, we're teaching on uh, love, and Jesus issued this command, and I say it every week. It was a command. It wasn't a suggestion. Um, you know, uh, the Bible's full of commands, and if you read through the Old Testament, it's a bunch of do's and don'ts, but Jesus only gave us one command. And that, was, that command was that we love one another. And he said, if you love one another, you'll fulfill every other part of the law. And, he, and, and what he said here was, is that if we love like he loves, then it will stand out. It will cause people to say, you know, that person must be a follower of Jesus. That person must be a disciple. That person must be a believer. And, and so what that tells me is this, is that if we love like Jesus loves then what we do and the things we say and the way we act towards people will be unique and different than what the world sees. Because the world has an idea of what they think love is. And when I say the world, you know, I, I never want to say the world in the sense that, you know, they're the enemy. And God loves the world, right? But, but the mindset of a person who is, has not committed their life to Christ or is not following Christ, their idea of love is different than what the Bible calls love. As a matter of fact, it's a completely different definition. As a matter of fact, if you think about love in the sense of the world's love, it's actually, it's, it's actually not love at all. It's actually deeply seated in the word lust. Everybody say lust. Now, when we think about the word lust, we think that means, you know, sexual things, right? But lust can be anything. What is lust? It's a craving to satisfy a desire and a, and a, and a need that you have in your own life. And so the, the world's kind of love is very much a love that seeks and loves because of what is being given to it. You know, you think about all the different, you know, songs that are out there. You know, remember Michael Jackson had the song, The Way You Make Me Feel, you, know, you Really Turn Me On. Remember that song? How, how many of you remember that song? How many of you don't remember that song? You don't remember that song? Well, go out and Google it. Go out and look it up and you'll find it. Uh, or maybe you don't. Maybe Google's even old now. Go out and what, Spotify it. Maybe I don't know. But anyway, what's that? You have the CD. Oh, there you go. Give Larry a hand, man. <laughs> but you know, but love from a world since all the love songs that are written in the world, they're all about what you do for me and how much you turn me on and how much I like. But what happens when you stop doing for them? What happens if you're at a moment in your life where you can't do for them? What happens if? They don't turn you on anymore. What happens if, you know, the, the, for, for the guy you're loving, the old chest of drawers disease is set in, right? His chest is sunk into his drawers. I mean, what, what do you do then, right? See, that's the kind of world the love has. It, 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 the, world, the kind of love the world has is it satisfies something within ourselves. And, and certainly the love of God does that, but the love of God has nothing to do with consumption. The love of God, the true love of God has everything to do with caring about the other person and wanting to give into their life. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 says this, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and notice he says the love of the world, right? The, the kind of love the world has, this is what you find in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. See, the world system is designed towards you going out and getting yours, you going out and making yourself comfortable, you going out and satisfying yourself. You know, there's a lot of talk about, I got to define my boundaries, right? Because if I don't define my boundaries, 
There, there ain't nowhere in the Bible that talks about defining your boundaries. The Bible talks about giving and blessing, right? And wanting to be a blessing to others. When we start defining our boundaries in our relationships, I don't know why I'm saying this, but when we start defining our boundaries in our relationships, you know what you just done? You just got selfish. Amen. God told us to love. And so God's love is not based on a feeling of self-gratification or self-satisfaction. It's a deep inner spiritual desire to want to bless people. As a matter of fact, if you'll love like God says, you won't have to be gratified by someone else because it'll bring satisfaction to you from the God that you serve. See, that's why marriages have to be so seated in the center of a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because the love of God and the love of Jesus should be your satisfaction, not the person you're living with. You should be married to them because you want to serve them and you want to bless them. And if they're doing that as well, I've always said it right, you'll be as happy as two pigs in a bucket of poop, right? Because you're both giving and you're both loving. And so the love that God has called us to is about serving the other person. It's not about us. It's, not about, uh, it's, it's about them and blessing them. So what we've done really in this series over the last 10 weeks, how many of you been, uh, and have, been, have learned from this and grown from this and seen it affect your everyday life? I mean, just yesterday I was driving. It always seems to affect my driving. Just yesterday I was driving in the car, and somebody honked the horn and was mad at me. And I, you know what? Normally what I'd want to do is be like, you know. You know, and I just threw up my hand and said, I'm so sorry. You probably had something going on that just caused you to do that, right? Doesn't it change you? Love changes you. Right, And so we've been looking at how can we apply this love to our lives over the last 10 weeks in a number of different areas. And for the sake of time, I'm, I'm not going to touch them. I always say I'm not, then I wind up doing it anyway. But I'm not going to go back and review those 10 messages. But I would encourage you, man, uh, you know, there are certain uh, things you can do in your life that you should, you should constantly keep a check on. You know, like you know, when you work out, you're constantly doing certain things to keep yourself in shape, right? Spiritually speaking, I would encourage you that you should go out to our website or YouTube and mark these love messages, not because I'm something special, but because they're great checkups for you. About every six months, about every year, just go back and listen to them again, right? Because they'll, they'll remind you and they'll knock the dust off and they'll sharpen you and, and cause you to be who God's called you to be. But, but what I want to do today is I want to talk about another aspect of love, and that aspect of love is that love gives. Everybody say love gives. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Notice this kind of love that he's talking about in 1 John, the God kind of love, it requires action is what he's saying. It's not a passive love. It's not a theory. It's not a thought, but it requires action. And what we see in this verse is, is one of those predominant actions of the attitude of love is a giving spirit. It's an attitude that wants to bless the other person and give out of themselves to someone else. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say that it's not just a theory. Matter of fact, notice what he says. He says, not in word or in tongue. Not in word or in tongue. Some translations say not in theory or in speech. What's a theory? Well, you, you really know what a theory is? It's just a, it's a, it's a brilliant thought by uh, an expert. You know what an expert is? It's just a drip under pressure. Um, an expert. A theory is just a concept that's never been proven, right? It's never been proven. That's why Darwin's theory of evolution, it's never been proven. There's no documented evidence of that. 
And so what we find to be true is, is what he's saying when it comes to love here is, is don't let it just be a theory. Don't let it be something that's not proven. Don't let it just be a nebulous thought that you buy into. Oh, yeah, all we need is love. We love, right? But you never show it. He goes on to say, don't let it be in speech either. Don't go telling people you love them if your actions don't correspond with it, right? Love has a corresponding action, and one of the primary corresponding actions of love is the act of giving. Now, as I go through this, I want you to understand, I'm going to preface this up front. When we talk about giving, so many times our minds gravitate towards financial giving, right? But I, I really, I'm really praying that the Spirit of God will, will impart into us what it is He's wanting to get across to us today. And I don't believe it's, it's a message on financial giving, I honestly believe what the Spirit of God wants to get across to us this morning is the spirit of giving that lives within the heart of God and was the motivation for God giving His Son Jesus to us. See, there's a spirit of giving that love has. It's an attitude that says, I want to bless, I want to help, I want to give out of myself to others. And so we've often said that you can love what you, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You know, that's often been said. And so today, you know, I want to talk to you about giving. Now, up front, though, I'm going to say this. You know, uh, oftentimes when you do a message like this, you walk out of here and you're sort of confused by it. Because you're confused by it because you're like, well, man, I mean, I want to be a blessing. I want to give to everybody, but I can't meet every need in the world. How many of you realize you don't have the resources to meet every need in the world? Whether it be your energy, your time, your talent, your resources, your service, you don't have the ability to do that. So one of the things I want to preface up front before I get into the message is simply this. When we talk about love being a heart that wants to give, it doesn't mean that love makes you soft touch. How many of you know what soft touch is? When I was growing up, when I was just a teenager, when I was just in Bible school actually, you know, um, mom, I remember sitting in, my mom's dead and gone now, but I remember sitting in the parking lot of a, a Burger King in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and I was going through a tough time because, you know, it was just a relationship thing where I had, I just, you know, it just wasn't a good thing. And I remember my mom looking at me sternly and she said, boy, you're not soft touch. I was like, what do you mean by that, man? I mean, my mama very hardly looked at me sharply and said that. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not soft touch? And she, she said, just because you love Jesus with all your heart doesn't mean you need to be in a position where you're just constantly used by everybody. Right? Now, we've been teaching messages on love and how love gives unconditionally, right? So we do give unconditionally. But love does not make you soft touch. And the reason I'm sharing that is simply this, because I'm going to be talking about some very strong things about an attitude of giving that we should embrace. But that doesn't mean that you just, you know, live. How many of you realize you've got to be led by God in your giving? Because you can't meet them all by yourself. That's why there's a body of Christ to meet needs, right? But so what that means is, is you need to be sensitive to when God is telling you to give. When your heart compels you to give, you need to act on it, not be stingy about it. But you also need to be sensitive when the Lord says, you know, that's not an area I want you to give. Why? Because the Bible says, to, as a matter of fact, notice what it says there in 1 John. It says, if you see a brother in need, everybody say a brother. That means they were believers. They knew this person, these people, right? So first thing you got to understand is, is when you're a giver, you should know the ground you're sowing into. You know, just because somebody's sitting on a street corner saying, I need food, and you want to be a loving person, how many of you realize you don't know their story? Now, there may be times where the Spirit of God says, give it, and you just give it, right? And you just need to be sensitive. But that doesn't mean that every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes along asking you for money, you just need to give them money, Amen. 
Because there are moochers and takers in this world. And we need to be wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves, right? So we need to know those that labor among us. We need to understand what good ground is. That's why the Bible talks about sowing into good ground, right? So we need to be sensitive. That's why, man, I got to tell you, that's why being filled with the Holy Spirit is so important in your life. Because otherwise, this giving message just becomes a rote and a ritual that you feel like you have to live up to. But man, when God lives big on the inside of you and his spirit lives big on the inside of you, you can never go wrong giving when he tells you to give. Amen? And so what I want to talk to you about today is is being a, a person that is a giver by nature because if your heart compels you to give and you have the wherewithal to do it and you don't, that's what this verse says, then where is the love of God in you, right? So there is an attitude of giving as we talk about love that extends beyond just relationally being nice to people and forgiving people. There is an attitude of giving that we must embrace as believers that should challenge us every day in our lives to grow in that capacity. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 says this. It says, you people there are leaders. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a leader. You people there are leaders in so many ways you have so much faith. So many good preachers, so much learning, so much enthusiasm, so much love for us. Now I want you to be leaders also in the spirit of cheerful giving. So what he says is I want you to be a leader in it. So the first question I would ask yourself, and we're going to ask it again at the end, are you a leader in giving? Are you in the back of the pack? And that's not defined by how much you give. It's defined by the nature of your heart. Are you one that's always stepping forward and saying, I want to serve, I want to help, I want to bless, I want to give, right? If that's your attitude, you're a leader in giving. He says, I want you to excel as a leader in giving. And notice what he says, I'm not giving an order, and I'm not saying you must do it, but others are eager for it. See, what he's saying is this, he's saying, I'm not asking you, and this whole message is not about an obligation that you have as a believer, This is about an attitude of the heart that says, I recognize there are others out there that have need. That's what he means by others are eager for it. There are people that have needs all over the world, and unless we're sensitive and have a heart of a giver, then we will not meet all the needs God has called us to meet in our lives. And once again, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about being a person that wants to give. Real love that is more than words gives. And notice it says there, it does it eagerly and willingly and not out of compulsion. Notice what he says there, I'm not saying you must do it. See, here's here's the spirit of what I'm talking about this morning. When we are givers by the nature of God and the love of God, it will cause us to do what is not expected. It will cause us to go above and beyond what the minimum requirement is. How many of you realize he said the love of God will cause you to stand out, right? It'll cause somebody to go, wow, they didn't have to do that, but they did. You know, you guys expressed the love of God to me and Delisa last week on para, uh, you know, pastor appreciation. We are so grateful for that. And I got to tell you, it's hard for me to receive gifts from our congregation just because my heart is I want to bless you all, right? And I want to serve. But, man, I, once, I, I, didn't, I never want to be uh, uh, unthankful. So, first of all, give yourself a hand. I am so thankful for what you guys gave to us. Thank you so much. And, you know, there's, there's a certain thing called a conqueror, and then there's a more than a conqueror, and we're called more than conquerors in the Bible. You know what a more than conqueror is, right? Delise is more than a conqueror, right? Because I gave her all the money, and she got to do something fun with it. So thank you all for blessing her. 
Amen? Uh, but notice what this verse says. Real love, it tells us real love does it out, not about, out of obligation. It does it because the heart of the matter is I want to be a blessing. I want to go above and beyond. And this is the same aspect uh, of love that we're talking about that God used when he showed his love toward us. See, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. His one and only son. Everybody say one and only son. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what that tells me is this. To start the cycle of God having an impact on someone else's life, it first requires us to be the initial giver. It requires us to give out of our heart. God saw our need, and before, while we were yet sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. He gave his one and only son. And then what we see as we go further along in the story, not only did God give his son, but then we see the son living here on earth being a giver. His whole life was about giving of himself. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about. Notice, you could, you could sum all that he did up in one word, who went about giving. <laughs> he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. As an anointed man on, on earth here, the Spirit of God came upon Jesus and empowered him to give, to be a blesser of mankind. We see him doing good, right? Preaching, teaching. Feeding the hungry, offering an encouraging word, forgiving. That was the good that he did. That was the giving that he did. Not only that, but we also see him healing the oppressed. We see him seeing people that were sick getting healed, raising the dead, delivering people from demonic oppression. Jesus gave these things of himself. And so Jesus expressed God's love by giving. And so we see the primary action of love in the God we serve. He's a God that gives. He's a God that wants to bless. What specifically then are we to give? And you know, as I think about that for a moment, I think, you know, I, I really thought about that as I was preparing the message. I wrote down that question and I thought, why am I asking that question? Why am I asking the question what we should give? And you know, the, the, the premise behind that, even though my motive wasn't that, is simply this. If you're asking what should I give, then the, 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 the converse of that is, is what should I not give, Right? And I think sometimes when we ask the question, what should I give, I think we're trying to figure out what's the bare minimum, what's the standard, what's the minimum daily requirement. You know, they talk about the FDA, you know, what's your minimum daily requirement for a certain vitamin, right? What's, what's, what's the minimum I should give as a believer then, right? But I don't think that's the question we should be asking. You know, I could say, you know, the, the pat phrase for a preacher that wants to twist your arm and just get you to give in every area of life, you should be asking, how much can I give, Right? But really, that's not the question we should be asking either. The question we should really be asking is, is how in every situation can I give and love like Jesus did? In every situation, what would he do, right? And, if, and what would he give? What would he, show me, what would he do to show the love of God? John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said it this way. We've read it already. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, as I have loved you. That you love one another. He's saying in the same way that I showed love, in the same spirit of giving, in the same heart of giving, in the same manner of giving, that's the kind of giving we're talking about this morning. The giving of, God, the giving of God's love. I have this highlighted in blue, so it must be important. 
The giving that God's love requires is simply to give whatever the nature and spirit of Jesus would give in any situation. So when we're talking about giving, whether it's financially or it's our service, whether it's our forgiveness, whether it's our mercy, whether it's our care and love for someone, the, 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 to do it in the love of God, it simply must satisfy this simple requirement. What would Jesus do in this moment? How would he give? If healing is needed, would he have given it? If forgiveness is needed, would he have given it? If kindness was needed, would he have given it? If provision was needed, would he have given it? We see him doing all of those things. And the beautiful truth is is that whatever Jesus gave, you have the ability to give that as well. See, before we even get to the nature of uh, uh, really the, 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 the end result of what I want to get to, I want you to understand something first of all. You have the ability to give whatever the Spirit of God would ask of you to give. He wouldn't ask you for it if you didn't have that ability. John chapter 14 and verse 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. So he says, you're going to do the same thing I do. And whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Notice what he said there. He said, if you, and a lot of times we read that verse, if you'll ask anything in my name, and we see it selfishly, I can ask and I can receive what it is I need. But really what he's talking about in the context of what he's talking about is, is, is he's talking about doing his works. He's talking about you can ask what you want when you're giving into a situation and if you'll give with that kind of heart, I'll do it for you. I'll back you up. I, you know, the Bible says they went about preaching the word and he confirmed the word with signs following. See, we need to understand as believers this morning that we have the ability to give more than I think a lot of times what we think we can give. Jesus went about healing, he went about helping, he went about preaching, he went about sharing, he went about giving mercy, he went about forgiving. When we feel like we can't do that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a believer, you have the ability in you to give it by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, or the Spirit of God that caused Jesus to heal, I put this in parentheses, or compelled him to forgive, or compelled him to speak a kind word, or compelled him to serve. It should be serve, server. I typed that wrong. He lives in you. The same Spirit of God lives in you that anointed Jesus to go about giving and doing good and helping and blessing. And you have that same ability on the inside of you. Peter realized that in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping and stood up and walked and entered into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Peter realized that what Jesus said was true. How many of you believe Jesus told the truth? He wasn't a crackpot. He wasn't a crazy man. He said, you'll do the same works I do. And Peter just simply said, okay, I'm going to believe that. Here's a man who needs healing. I'm going to tell him to be healed. I'm going to reach out and give what Jesus has placed on the inside of me. Right? See, we, we oftentimes think that giving, uh, even when it comes to the power of God and, the, and, and healing, we always see it as God doing a miraculous work. Like we're pulling down heaven through us. But really what praying for somebody that is sick is, it's simply giving what's already in you. It's not 
pulling teeth to get God to do something. I mean, Peter didn't, he just said, just what I got here, have it, be healed. See, there needs to be a spirit of giving on the inside of us that says, I recognize God has placed this in me. So you know what? Regardless of, of, of the situation, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it when the spirit of God tells me to give it. Amen? Acts chapter 2 and verse 45, you know, we read that verse and we see Peter say, silver and gold have I none. So we think, okay, yeah, that means as a believer, all we need to give is healing and blessing. But, but as we read through the book of Acts, this spirit of giving permeated everything in, in the believer's lives. Not just spiritual healing, not just physical healing, not just salvation, not just signs and wonders and miracles. It permeated everything, and we see it in Acts chapter 2. It says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Notice this. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Not only were their spiritual needs met, not only were their emotional needs met, but there were physical needs met. There were people, I mean, these people cared so much about the people around them that their hearts said, man, if I can give it, I'm going to give it. If I mean, they, they were radical too. You think about how radical they were, amen? I mean, they sold their property to help somebody. How many of you think we can grow in the love of God a little bit? I know I can. That's, but that's, that's, that's the example we've been given, and it's my responsibility as a pastor not to make you feel uncomfortable, but to lay it out there for you, because that was the attitude of the early church. It was, my heart is so full of love. And see, here it is again. It's not about an obligation. It's not about you doing something you have to do or somebody twisting your arm to do something you don't want to do. It's about an attitude of the heart that says, I love so much that in every situation, I want to give the best I can possibly give. That's what we're talking about. That's the vision of our church is, you know what it is? It's to love God, love others, and be a blessing, right? We want to be a church that is a, that is a blessing to people, that blesses people, that loves people. Oh, oh, that we would embrace more and more of the spirit of giving and not holding back. Everybody say the spirit of giving. See, here's the thing I really want to get across, and I, I pray the Spirit of God. I've done a little bit of groundwork I think I needed to do to lay the foundation for what I believe the Lord wanted to get to at the end of this service is this. I pray that as we leave here today, we grow in the spirit and heart of giving, and we resist the spirit and heart of self. That, that's, all I'm really, that's, all, that's all I believe the Spirit of God wants to give us. You see, our purpose in life is not to meet our own needs. Our purpose in life is to meet the needs of others. It's to be loved by God and to allow Him to love through us. And yet many of us spend the most of our time trying to make our lives comfortable. This, everybody, everybody wear your shoes this morning, right? Because I may step on, I, this may hurt a little bit, but sometimes it hurts so good to hear the truth, doesn't it? See, notice Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. God planned and advanced our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. See, the reason you were created this morning was to not, it was not to build your 401k. It was not to create your personal castle of comfort. It was not to build your retirement fund. Amen. The reason you were created was to be a giver of good works. 
Now, there's nothing wrong. Does that mean we shouldn't save? Does that mean we, no, that's not, no, we need to use wisdom in our finances. Absolutely, and be led by the Spirit of God in our finances. But I would ask the question, I would really ask the question, and this is really what I'm trying to get to this morning. As the musicians come, I'm going to ask you to ponder this question. I, I don't want to keep you longer than I need to. This is the spirit of what I want to get to this morning, and I believe the Spirit of God would have me do this. So what I want you to do is they're coming. I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to really take a moment because I'm going to ask you a, 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 a question to ponder in your heart before God, not before me. Because this is not about me. This is about our relationship with God and us being the example Jesus called us to become. I'm going to ask you just to, in your own heart, quiet your mind for a moment. And listen to the question and ponder it and allow the Spirit of God to work through you through this question as we deal with it over the next few minutes. Here's the question I'm going to ask you. Is your life about giving or is your life about making yourself more comfortable? That's a simple question, but I want you to think about it for a moment. And, and I'm not talking about just give. this has nothing to do with finances, although finances is a part of it. Is your life, is your day-to-day -day life, the goal of your life about giving or is the bulk of your time spent about making your life more comfortable? You know, that can manifest itself in so many different ways, you know, because sometimes I think we can look outside of our lives and we can think, okay, you know, I'm, I'm building a life for me and my family. Is that selfish? How many of you realize if you're a man or a woman and you're seeking to uh, uh, meet the needs of your children, that's giving, right? You go to work every day to meet. That's giving as well, right? So I don't want to minimize creating a great life for the kids and the family that you have. But, but the motive behind the way you live, is it about giving to others or is it about making me more comfortable? And so Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7, let's think about that as we see what Jesus said here. He said, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, lepers, not leopards, <laughs> cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead, cast out devils. Notice this, freely you have received freely give. I just saw this in a little bit of a different light as I was reading this verse of scripture over the weekend, preparing my heart for this message. He said, freely you have received. It's almost as he's saying, what you have received, freely give it. You know, that's why the scripture says in one place that, you know, where we have received grace is where we can give the most grace. Because God has blessed us and touched our lives in that matter. Therefore, we have a, a commonality in what that person may be going through that allows us the grace and ability to be able to minister that back to another. That's why a person that has lost a loved one often can, be, can more easily minister to someone who's lost a loved one. That's why somebody that has struggles with addiction can often minister to someone more easily that struggles with addiction. Right? Here's the thing we need to understand is we, I understand living a life of wanting to have a relationship with God and, cons and have him consume our lives, but may it not be a selfish motive. May it be, Lord, give to me so I can fulfill what you've created me to be, a person that gives you to others. And especially in the areas of my life where you've made yourself real. See, there's an element of taking of the very thing you freely received and giving it back. And here's what I want to get to. Because here's the thing, as I, as I know, as I think about our church, man, we got a church full of givers. We, we really have good people. 
willing to serve, willing to help, willing to, willing to bless. But here's something I want to challenge you on, and it's not just financial, it's, it's in every area. When we give, is it done in a manner to appease the need to give? Are we giving the very best we can when we have the opportunity to give? John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his very best. He gave the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star. He gave Jesus to us. He gave his best. He didn't say, oh, let's go find an angel over on the backside of heaven that's taking care of business that we don't really care about. Let's give him. Right? His heart said, I'm going to give the best that I can possibly give. God gave in a way that expressed his love to us. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, are, are we given our best gift or are we given our conscious appeasing gift? How many of you know what a conscious appeasing gift is? You know, it's just enough to appease your conscience. God's love gives extravagantly in every area of life. In our service to our family, it gives the best it can give. In our love for our husband or our wife, it gives the best it can give, not just enough. See, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 25 says this, it's taking the easy way out. This is the Passion Translation. Taking the easy way out is the habit of a lazy man. <laughs> and it will be his downfall. All day long he thinks about all the things that he craves. For he hasn't learned the secret of the generous, that the generous man has learned. Extravagant giving never leads to poverty. See, this is not just a financial verse. This is talking about being rich in every area of your life. See, the lazy person says, if my wife needs help around the house, I'll just do as little as I possibly can to appease her. Right? But a spirit of giving says, man, I'm going to do the best I can possibly get in this moment to let her know I love her. Right? Can I go another? We're all adults here. You married? You know, men are wired a little different than women, right? You know, it's often been said, men are like matches, women are like boiling pots. I mean, you can just turn a corner and look sort of hot to your wife, and he's like, hey, baby, let's go, right? A wife is a little different. She's, she's a boiling pot. You've got you to gotta let that simmer and simmer and simmer to get her to the point where she's like, hey, baby, let's go, right? You gotta, it's just the way it works. I'm not making you all uncomfortable, am I? But here's the question I would ask you. In both scenarios, are you giving your very best? Wives, are you just doing your wifely duty? Are you laying it on him? Are you laying it on him? Come on now. This is where the rubber meets the road. P parents, uh, uh, for your children, are you laying down your life for them? I, I believe we got parent people doing that, right? Children, teens that are in here. Are you honoring your parents or are you just giving them the bare minimum? Are you respecting them? Are you giving your best? Church members, when there's a need in the church, are you giving your best? Or are you just saying, well, you know, let me just throw a little something at it, right? Are you truly like the church in the book of Acts? It says, man alive, I mean, I'm going to give my best. See, it should be the mentality of our hearts as givers. And this is, what, this is really what I wanted to get to. If we love like Jesus, is, Jesus loves, we don't give the bare minimum in any situation. 
Employers and employees, when you go to work, I mean, because you let God's love, how many of you realize you can go to a job you don't like, but you can let God's love motivate you in your job, right? In doing that, are you giving your best at your job? Are you giving your employer everything you've got? I'm going to give you my, you know, the best athletes in the world are the best athletes in the world because they never dial it in. They never dial it in. They're the ones on the team saying, hey, you better get up and act like this is a real deal. I remember, you know, he ain't here today. So, well, he was here earlier. He had to leave. I'm going to brag about my son. Is that okay? I remember he wrestled for a wrestling team. He was a state champion wrestler. And I remember a lot of the guys on his team resented him. Not because he was braggadocious about his ability, because he never was that but because he constantly challenged them in practice, he would not let them dial in their practice and give a halfway effort. If they were given a halfway effort, he would call them out and say, that is not your best. We should not be doing that. You're going you're gonna to wrestle like you practice. They would run laps and everybody else would be lagging when the coach wasn't looking. He was giving it his all. And like, he would, they'd, be, they'd be mad at him. Like, why are you doing that? You're making it hard on us. No, he would say, no, I'm trying to make you better. See, the best athletes, the best achievers, and I'll go a step further if you, if you really want to qualify it this way, because how many of you realize because of Jesus, we're forgiven and we're all the best Christians, right? But in this sense of the word, the best Christians never dial it in. Never. They never have an attitude as, what's the minimum I can get away with? You know, that's why a lot of times, you know, um, when it does come to financial giving, you know, the Bible talks about tithing. And what's a tithe? Well, the word tithe will never mean 9% or 25%. It means 10%. The Bible says we should be tithers. I mean, now some people will argue about that, right? Some people say, well, in the New Testament, you don't need to be a tither. Once again, for me, it's not about the question of whether you should tithe or not tithe. It's really a question of in, in the scenario of giving financially, are you giving your best? Are you just tipping the church? While you're pursuing personal creature comforts when the, when the church has needs, are you giving your best? Because that's what God has called us to do. David said it this way. This is powerful. Y'all still with me? This one hits close to home, right? Jesus said, well, your treasure is your heart is, so sometimes giving will touch your finances and it makes us uncomfortable. But this is what David said. He said, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. That's the heart of a giver. That's a heart that says, man, I'm not going to dial it in with God. When it comes to me serving him, I'm always going to give 100%. If it's dance before the Lord, when everybody's watching, I'm going to dance to the chagrin of my wife if I have to. That's what David did, right? He was constantly giving his best. C.S. Lewis said it this way. This is really, really good. I just want you to have me realize C.S. Lewis, profound, prolific Christian writer, um, it's not the Bible, right? But sometimes he had some insights that were pretty good. This is one thing he said in Mere Christianity. He said, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give, right? So the question, tithe, not to tithe, he's saying it's irrelevant. And it is. I am afraid that the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, and amusement, etc., is, is up to the standard common among those with the same income as ours, we are probably giving away too little. 
If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. (laughs) There ought to be things we should like to do but we will not do because our charities' expenditures exclude them. Ooh, that's really strong. Now, he's talking about finances, but I write this in the sense of our overall life. Someone has a need, but yeah, I want to go to the game. I'm not going to help them. I'm really, really tired, but my wife needs me to do the dishes. Nah, I ain't going to do it. Amen? We are called to be people that give our very best. And the great thing about it is, if we give our very best, God promises us that we will never fall short of the mark. He'll always take care of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly and also will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know what that tells me? That tells me everything we give in life, whatever we give, whatever it is, it has a label on it. It has a label of sparing or bountiful. And as believers, we should always measure our gift is, is this a sparing gift or is this a bountiful gift? And it's not the dollar amount, it's not, it's not the time, it's really just, am I giving my best? In my baseball practice, am I giving my best? In my studies, am I giving my best? In my life, am I giving my best to those around me? Goes on to say, verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So what that tells me is we determine the label, God doesn't. Not grudgingly, out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights in one whose heart is in the gift. See, people know whether your gift is sparing or bountiful. Why? Because the nature of your heart comes across in it. When you bless somebody, if you do it with a chagrin and a grudgingly, I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to do it. That don't bless nobody. You might as well keep the gift. But God has called us to be a people of givers. Jesus summed it up this way, and we're getting ready to close. Don't store up for your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them or where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in to steal. Notice this, wherever your treasure is, there is the desire of your heart also. Jesus encouraged us to resist the urge to make life about ourselves. That's what this verse is about. He's just saying, resist the urge to make life about your own personal comfort and embrace the urge to make your life about giving and blessing others in whatever capacity that is. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 promises us this if we do it. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and whose heart is in his giving. And notice this. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We are called to be givers. And I've done my best. Let's bow your heads with me. Father, I've done my best to deliver what I believe it is you wanted me to say this morning. I pray that no one here, Father, would misconstrue the motive in the heart of what's being said and think this is a message about giving money because it's not. I pray that we would embrace the spirit of what's being said and that we would be givers by nature. 
that we would make our lives not about us and our castles of comfort and our, our own personal gratification, but that we would have make the motive of our heart, Lord, I want to give out as much as I can. I want to be a blessing as much as I can. I want to be a giver like Jesus was in every situation. I pray, Father, that we will grow in that. I, I believe there's true life changes sometimes that need to take place. Perspectives on life that recognize all of a sudden, I was created to give, not to retire. To be a blessing, not to be comfortable all the time. To take the more difficult path at times and give of myself and give what costs into every life I have. I pray that we'll embrace that, Father. In Jesus' name. John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. He gave his all. That's all he's asking of us. <laughs> it's not that much. Just all. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for each person here. I've done my best to deliver the heart of what you wanted said this morning. That we are to be people that resist the urge to consume. And we are be people that embrace the heart that wants to give in every area of our lives. I give you praise and thanks for that. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and no one looking around. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. It's not your nature to want to be like that. It may, it may be appealing to your heart now because the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, but if you're not born again, it's not your nature to want to give like that. You have to have a heart change. Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't operate in the principles of the kingdom of God. So if you want to be born again, if you want your heart to change, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and you've never done that before, you want to have a moment where you say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and life to Jesus. I want my heart changed. Would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I need to make that choice. I've never done that. Anyone at all, just wait a moment. Just going to wait just a moment. But don't let this moment pass you by if that's you. Anyone at all. All right. Look up here at me. How many of you realize God's a giver? So we're called to be givers. Amen. As you go out this week, find every opportunity you can to be a giver, to lay it on people with all of your might and all of your strength and all of your ability. Don't be a minimal giver. Be an enthusiastic giver. And God promises you if you do, you'll be blessed for it. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. If you have a prayer need in your life, something that didn't get prayed for that you would like it to be, be prayed for, prayer partners, you can go ahead and make your way to the front. They're going to be right up here to pray with you, agree with you for answers. Come on forward and let them know here as we dismiss you. Father, let's pray, for, let's pray right now. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you that you love them, you care about them. And I just give you praise and thanks that the spirit of what was said this morning will be embraced and we will be the biggest givers on the planet in every area of our life. We'll bless our lives. We'll bless our wives and husbands. We'll bless our children. We'll bless our employers. We'll be people by nature that give and people will rise up and say, that's a different, unique person. And then we'll have the opportunity to give them an answer for the hope that is in us. We can tell them about Jesus. I thank you for that, Father. Thank you as we go from here this morning that your angels are encamped about each person, keeping them safe and protected, that they're blessed in what they put their hand to this week. They're above and not beneath. They're the head and not the tail. And whatever they're doing prospers so that they can be a blessing back to others. Father, I give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Thank you for being so attentive this morning. Amen.
Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.